0: Welcome to the Philanthropy Masterminds podcast, brought to you by DonorSearch, the show that takes you inside the lives of thought leaders, innovators, and change makers in fundraising, philanthropy, and civil society. I'm your host, Jay Frost. In today's special episode, we speak with Tim Sarantonio and Benjamin Johnson, who are just completing their first Generosity Roadshow, a cross country listening tour with three aims to learn about the ways nonprofit practitioners do their jobs, better understand the role that data plays in that work, and chart a path forward on how they can use data in actionable and insightful ways. This conversation was recorded live in the exhibit hall at AFP Icon in New Orleans.
1: And welcome, my guests. Thank you for hanging out with us in this kind of chaotic scene here at the AFP conference, the International Conference Icon um, in New Orleans, not in Texas. But anyway, we'll hear more about the hats in a moment. I have two guests here for this first kind of kickoff presentation here in the exhibit hall, hanging out at the Donor Search booth. Donor Search, of course, as you know, is the sponsor of this series. So thank you back there to all of you for doing this for now eight years, um, where I get to have fun conversations with really amazing people who have great stories, including bathtub stories. And we'll hear about that in a moment but now what now we have now we have to talk about it uh so today's uh program is about the generosity roadshow and if you don't know what that is you're about to learn um you probably know about the the uh fundraising effectiveness project but you can always stand to learn more and there are new results that just came out i think yesterday yesterday the press release went out so we're going to hear all about that and we'll be hearing about it from tim sarantonio hello and ben johnson not the infamous one um but uh do you mind if I ask you guys to introduce yourselves so I don't give a bio? You can give your own version. Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, thank you, Jay, for having us in the Donor Search for for giving us this platform to talk about industry research and the importance of actionable insights. So, I'm Tim Serantonio. I'm Director of Corporate Brand at Neon One, a proud Donor Search partner, as well as a nonprofit connected platform that serves about 6,500 organizations with. Websites and CRM and email and peer-to-peer giving days, a lot of different stuff, back-end reconciliation uh, and payments. So uh, we'll get into kind of the roadshow piece there, but I'll hand it over to Ben. Yeah.
3: yeah. Um, And so I recently exited after building an agency up in Canada. So we worked with um, as much as 30 organizations doing email fundraising, direct response and acquisition. Um, And yeah, made my way to the, the roadshow by picking two conferences down in the States here and posting it on LinkedIn.
1: And so how did this decision get made? To, like, why are yeah, we yeah, here? In haste. In yeah, haste. Yeah, on a win.
2: Uh, no, I would say on a, on a win that then uh, turn into a well-developed plan. Yeah, by you. So the genesis of the Generosity Roadshow, hashtag Generosity Roadshow, if you will, LinkedIn primarily, would be that Fundraising Effectiveness Project has been around since 2006. It's the largest analysis of individual giving data in the world. And, you know, it's been kind of coming along and going along as something that people like go, yeah, okay, that's that thing that tells us that retention is bad, basically. And so we wanted to elevate that it's much more than that. And what's important about this is that even though, Neon One just came out with its own new research on email, which we'll we'll touch on here, too. Um, It wasn't a Neon One initiative. It was something that elevated Bloomerang and Donor Perfect, who's right across from us, uh, Kila, um, and now Classy and Community Brands, because they're all part of the Fundraising Effectiveness Project. And that means that we put the data out no matter what. There's some vendors that if the data looks bad, they don't put it out.
1: And that doesn't help us. And so, so is that a message? You guys put your data in. Don't worry about how bad it looks. You're really about aggregating data. You're developing a whole portrait. You're not focusing on one company or one set of absolutely.
2: Guns. It's a data warehouse that is is overseen right. infrastructurally by Giving Tuesday's Data Commons, and then the reporting is a a partnership between AFP and the Giving Tuesday group. Okay. Sure. So we said, okay, let's elevate and celebrate the role of sector research. It is actionable, but sometimes people can't make wonderful conferences like N10 or AFP Icon. So we started in Denver at the Nonprofit Technology Conference, but we also stopped in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and uh, Richardson, Texas, right outside of Dallas, to talk to folks who were there and to see what they were going through. So the United Way stepped up and the local AFP chapter hosted us. And then uh, the University of Dallas at Texas or Texas at Dallas uh, hosted us at their campus. And we got to talk to students about research. But the delivery mechanism was a quiz game that acted exactly like Jeopardy. Yeah. And so it delivered it in a way that anybody can actually understand what we were talking about for something that can be very kind of scary sometimes. Yes, Ben.
3: Yeah. And actually, um, to to add on the the sort of the Jeopardy element, um, just two points. One was... Um, if you're talking, uh, oh, here's a presentation about data in the fundraising sector, you're expecting slide two, uh, here's a pie chart. This is bad. <laughs> slide three, yeah. uh, here's the methodology. And, and then you really lose the crowd. Right. Uh, one, it was a very unique format that pulled people in. Um, and it was interesting as the, the, the sound bites that um, Tim had were like, hey, here's maybe some information around the data. Sure. People were like, keep going. Like, it was like, I I am done answering, but like, what's the reason behind the staff? And then the other element was it created unbelievable uh, uniqueness of each event. The crowd was different each time, but it was, uh, we, we, you know, because of the road trip time, we had the opportunity to go like, that question didn't land with understanding. Uh, How would we adapt it so that uh, any audience would understand it? Well, especially if you're going from students to... Oh, yeah. uh, Yeah, yeah.
2: in denver it was actually ben you were pretty astute at pointing out that it was actually more of a local crowd not not some people from the technology conference were there but many people who were local like um uh, erica who heads up the product oversight of colorado gives um was was there which is great like that's the statewide initiative to bring people together and like she showed up Right. She had nothing to do with the conference. Our partner at, at Visa, um, he's going to be at this conference, but he was going to miss the roadshow stop. Yeah. He lives in Colorado. So he came to the event. So we got to get things and we set expectations at each one by Tulsa. We can go in and pl- kind of play it straight. Hey, this is the game. But Denver, I kind of had to be like, we're kind of making this up as we're going along. <laughs> and it was a very friendly crowd that understood that Julia Campbell, was there in Denver, and then she rejoined us in New Orleans. So you can see that this core idea, just like a generosity experience for each individual donor, it is very adaptive to the interactions that are happening
1: within it. The quiz show format's really... Uh, a fun yeah. way to make sure that it's a level playing field for anybody entering this, entering into this information, Absolutely. but also to make sure that people retain it. Yes. So uh, dumb question. What was your double jeopardy question? I uh, <laughs> you should say that. Are you not, are you revealing enough? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh,
2: that would be good. What would be our double jeopardy question? So Ben Miller of Bonterra sure. designed the deck template itself in PowerPoint. Yeah. It's a beautiful mechanism. It doesn't do double jeopardy though. So, but people did ask, they're like, where's the double jeopardy? And then there is a boo button that he built in. So whenever that came up, I would hit the boo button. I'm like, we don't have it. That was fun to be able to like, it's also important. Just like what you're doing here. If you want to create a proper experience, you have
1: to test. (laughs) We've been testing a lot right before we went live. So uh, tests don't always prove perfection, but if you don't constantly test, you learn. You don't learn anything. Right.
2: And yeah. so that was a really kind of underlying lesson yeah. throughout the whole thing. And, and we're not talking about spending tens of thousands of dollars. I put forward a budget, a very modest budget for this whole trip. That was a combination of neon getting me to places like housing and stuff like that. But the actual roadshow stops were
1: sponsored by the Fundraising Effectives project. Well, before we get into the budget, because I, I do want to ask you about that, one particular part of it, um, on the questions... You talked about those pie charts and that we all love it in our world, but they either they put people to sleep outside of it or we don't retain it. I mean, every single year we're able to go out and say, look, what percentage of people give, you know, uh, and, yeah. you know, and all these things. And it's, it's like it's a new piece of information but we've been going over it every year. The numbers change a little bit, but that pie chart doesn't change. I don't think it's resonating for people. So when you showed this information to people through this kind of you know, interactive format, what resonated most? Whether it was a student or a fellow practitioner or whomever, what, they, what question really kind of turned them off? And what was your I, perspective? I think
3: um, is what I mean, maybe you can dive into the content itself, but the, the format made it like a mutual learning. Yeah. And, and I, I think what's, because no matter what stop there was, a, hey, like tell me if this isn't landing, uh, like to kind of Tim worked that into the process of talking with people. Um, and there was that honest feedback of like, this number makes no sense. It has no meaning to me. It's not like um, there was the, the authenticity of them saying like, I don't know what this means, <laughs> um, which, which like it was formatted in the way of you, you formatted a stupid question, right? Like, but it was also, yes, we did. Uh, this was too academic or this was, this isn't landing in a practically what can I do about it? Or like, what does it mean that people aren't doing? Sure. You know, like so we look at stats and if we forget the, well, how do I fix it? Or like, why is why should I be scared? And like Tim did good, some good moments. of This number oh, boy, is really that, Why should I be scared is really important. Yeah, it's like, otherwise, you know, so the, the stats.
2: Big, the, so the big one, and it was hilarious because it was like the $100 question in the category of donor retention, <laughs> right? So we had, you know, let's quick categories. Okay, Thank categories. You, yes, categories. Online revenue. Right. And keep me honest, because I might forget. Okay. So online revenue, and it's not going to be in order, but online revenue, um, websites, academic research, email, donor retention, and taxonomy. That was the real hit. And that was the real hit, but but uh, not really. <laughs> academic <laughs> research and taxonomy, people yeah. weren't diving in. But what happened is that once they got into one question on one of those, people actually really loved taxonomy in particular. Why? Because they understood what it was now. And they saw it's actually the most important one because it's the the – flows of missions it's how the irs organizes and tags every single thing that we are doing and in reality you we would point out actually even yesterday i pointed out this is not good enough people would answer and be like it's veterans if we're asking like what this subsector is this and it's like they would say very specific causes missions, and it's like well no because the IRS says it's human services and it like blends this massive- Right, comes up every year. Yeah. Every year. So so that was interesting. Those were the main categories, but on the donor retention one in particular, I dropped the newest data because the Fundraising Effectiveness Project released the new report formally right during the event that we had. That's when the press release and- And
1: and for those who haven't seen this yet, can you the like that- the two or three bullets, the big highlights, because I heard a little bit about this yep. in the research council yesterday, and yep. it, was, it was pretty sad. <laughs> it's not great. In, no.
2: And so this is the thing. I want us to frame this as this is an opportunity. Right. Yes. This is a, a canary in the coal mine, real moment in our sector to reflect. And the biggest reasons are, number one, number of donors donating dropped si- By an- like 10%. 10%. Percent. It right? was another 10%. Right just people leaving. So
1: what what, what does that leave it? I know it's not the same. This is not the same data set as what comes out of giving uh USA. Yeah. But we're coordinating Uh, more closely together uh, actually. So this would mean, what does that mean in real numbers that instead of being by uh, 49% or no, 49% it would be of the population giving. Oh
2: yeah. If it goes on that trend, it's a 10% drop, right? So I don't it doesn't mean that we it's the year over year percentage. Right, OK, so it doesn't mean that we've lost 10 percent of donors. No, no, no. It, it means that we've accelerated loss of another 10 percent of the aggregate. Right. right? Like right. of the year year over year change. So I'd have to work the math, Jay, right. on that one. OK, um, I'll get a calculator. Yeah. I'm, I'm well, I need need it. Here Here's the dirty right. secret, folks. I'm just the storyteller. I let other people actually run these. <laughs> <numbers>. <laughs> really? So so what was your kind of like? thought on the on some of the stuff because it looked like you want to say yeah, so
3: but it was it was kind of like you said like the way so like it, here's the question um and then people would be like oh maybe it went down three percent uh and then to kind of 80
2: percent it's like yeah heart palpitation
3: it's also but it, like maybe there's <laughs> a vulnerability and they maybe they didn't understand the question and and, and for us on the listening end it was like okay three percent eighty percent and then to, here's the answer ten percent i think if it was better for receiving it So like you know, and then it gave Tim that opportunity
2: to go. I didn't do hard Jeopardy rules, and by the second stop, we realized let's let's not just choose three voluntolds. We turned it into a group event that three tables were doing team trivia. I yeah, I like that. It was great. They had we bought a I bought a bell in Denver, so I went to Target. You mean like a hotel? Yeah, with, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. we could get into the logistics when you want. We can, let's cover the data first, yes. but like that. the logistics of the roadshow are just as fun. Maybe the back half can be, be that, but the data side, yeah. Dropping donors. Okay. Um, giving was generally, and this is the big one, just because donors go down doesn't mean money goes down automatic. Right. In fact, giving USA typically has shown year over year increase. Here's the concerning part. It was kind of within the margin of, being flat, basically right. overall, yeah, it's like one point seven or seven. But yeah, it was like yes, it's very, very slight. Basically, it, the, the the headline is it's flat. Okay, giving it mean, like flat.
3: Uh-huh. Yeah.
2: Well, but this it's is not concerning. it's not outpacing inflation at all, and the affluent donors, in terms of right. revenue buckets, yes. are starting to actually weaken, and that's the concerning part. Recaptured donors actually saw an increase. That's good. It's not all bad folks. Like this is the thing. It's what lessons right. can right. we learn? And it's that we need to do a better job of connection with people. We need to give easier ways to start the generosity experience like recurring giving, because it has high new donor retention rates. Yes. Yeah. Because eight out of ten new donors left from twenty twenty one to twenty twenty two. They just stopped giving. And we talked with even people, even when I picked up the car in denver i took a video of the guy checking my car in i talked with him and then it turned out this was a conversation worth worth having i got his opt-in to do a thing he showed the the car thing and i said did you do you give to charity and he's like i don't and i said well if you could support a cause what would you support he's like well my fiance is a developer and so it would be great if she had something to support her when she was learning to code. And I said, how about girls who code? And he, and he's like, yes. And I said, I'm going to make a donation. Robert checked out my LinkedIn profile yesterday. So I will, Robert, I'm going to be in touch. We're going to get the donation done. I just have been on the road, but like I told him, Robert, Here's my information. Let's connect. I'm going to make it in his honor.
1: All right. So one of the things that did come up during the research council discussion about this, which yeah. was more it was very informative, but more dry, was that it, at the same time, we're seeing a couple of other things happen. One, we can't control for it all. And that's the stock market. That influences yeah. the affluent donors. Yeah. And that's a factor in all this, I'm yes, sure. Absolutely. But then, And it's going to be a continuing factor. So it's something we need to be mindful of on the top. The other one is about crowdfunding, right? Or mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. All the people who want to do something directly for their fiance, the social
2: it's, fundraising out. Yeah,
1: whether yeah. it's the person we know who has, you know, down the street who has leukemia, yep. or the person who needs to go to school, yep. or whatever it is, that's been huge. Yes. And for and that's largely not exclusive, but largely the rest of the population seems to be falling out of these numbers.
2: Yeah, people are giving to things like GoFundMe, right? Yeah. And this is why we're excited that Classy has joined the Fundraising okay. Effectiveness Project, because we're going to get better insight on that type of giving activity. All right, FEP has always been driven by CRM data. And we understand that a little bit better than some of the other elements out there because we do peer-to-peer and sure. we do these types of things. But like Classy specializes in that. And they're part of GoFundMe. So it's like, okay, I think we're going to start to get Like the CRMs traditionally do very affluent giving well, right? They have the wealth screening integrations and stuff like that. But to be able to see the more entry-level giving for recurring, for crowdfunding, for peer-to-peer fundraising, it's going to give us better insight. I'm an optimist. I actually think that if, like we had to keep in mind, this is the largest data set, but it's still an incomplete data set. And that's yeah. why we need more partners. We need
1: more vendors. Well, there's, here a, there's another contribute. factor too, yeah. right? I mean, that is that e- e- you have a whole bunch of different data sets which you're pulling together. Yes. But there's no unique identifier for every donor, right? So if you give somewhere and then you... Um, it, you know, your journey takes you to another organization. Yeah. That organization may be using a different data set, but there's no way to say, you know, Ben Johnson here, Benjamin Johnson there. Yeah. So this is kind of an issue. So how are, how are you thinking about that in terms of both the FAP data, but
3: more broadly? The, the one thing you said before is like, I, I think it's, um. so to take a, away from some of the, the, the fear and loathing part of like uh, <laughs> donations being down, I think what I enjoyed about hearing more about generosity experience and right. generosity roadshow <laughs> Uh, Some of the things we talked about was, um, so there's a decline in institutional trust and trust being one of the elements of generosity. And so in some ways, we have to actually acknowledge other cultures of giving in that the GoFundMe world is being created because it's an institutional free experience. Um, I think there's an opportunity for charities or nonprofits at large How do we learn to be trust builders? Um, Like the data is telling us that we're not as trusted, or it's not as self-evident that we're a trustworthy um, vehicle to for my generosity anymore. Yeah, and and I think that's the like one of the opportunities. And to say that oh, people are are less generous now, Uh, I think that's a it's a net neutral. It's just going somewhere else.
2: Yeah, the people are inherently kind. They're inherently giving. That's what we learned on the trip. Because itself. But yeah, what the sector needs to learn is that it's a it's a question of relevancy. Human nature is generous. It is whether we are still the best vehicle for that. And I truly believe we are. We have so much upside here. We just have to make some pretty big changes to get along toward that path.
1: This very journey you're taking. That you just took. I know it was for fun as much as for anything. Yes. And to promote some of these concepts, yes. these ideas, and then this data. But it also must be a living example of what you're talking about, about building trust. Because Absolutely. whether it's talking to the guy when you're renting your car or talking to a group of students who haven't thought about it in this way, even though they are, as you said, they're generous too. I mean, you can talk to anybody of any age, anywhere in the world, and they have this impulse to help other people. Absolutely. Um but we don't do a very good job of communicating why they should use us as a vehicle to do those things. That's, that's kind of your point. So yes. when you thought about taking this journey, do you see this as a one and done? Or was this the beginning of the you know, way to start this discussion?
2: It's definitely going to be an evolution. At the Fundraising Effectiveness Project uh, steering committee ma- meeting yesterday, we uh, had Woodrow there from Giving sure. Tuesday, Woodrow Rosenbaum. Uh, And it it had the leadership of the initiative itself, as well as AFP um, headquarters and AFP Foundation. And we decided that we need to kind of reevaluate the governance of all of this and to to iterate and grow upon it. And so my feeling, one of the big things and, and, and from Bloomerang and I talked after the meeting, too, and it was very important that the story evolves. And we feel, I would say, Ben, that this type of example is the foundational basis for where we should be going for the initiative as a whole. Will the Generosity Roadshow ride again? I think think so, but not with the Santa Fe, because I dropped that thing off at the Enterprise uh, rental on Canal Street earlier this morning.
1: All right. So one of the things I heard from Tim before, and you can tell me if this is true or not, is that this thing was envisioned originally as an RV tur- tour of, you know, from north to south. There was some
3: visions to begin. Yeah. All right. So what happened? Practicality of this? Yeah. Uh, we, we dodged a bullet there. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I, I just actually to like your previous point, I think one thing, is um, there's a lot of organizations, here's our latest report, uh, and they want to be the receptacle. So like, you know, right. here's the landing page. Come to us. Right. right. Um, They're using it as a lead generator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and actually, you know, it is like, even if you do, if you want it to land, um, evangelize. So go out. Um, and I, you know, not that it was all good news, uh, but it was like, it was interesting because we had to contextualize by going to someone. We're like, we're at the, you know, we're at the Oklahoma United Way. You know, what questions do we ad- adapt? And, and it was, it was a beautiful in that, like, okay, now we're talking to academics. It was very different. Um, And I I think it was also we were able to hear what their intent was. Like they're on the data end wanting to know why people don't apply. Right. Right. You know, and and we're like, okay, now we can, you know, uh, sort of not necessarily twist the presentation, but reframe the discussion. The positioning
2: is very critical. Sure. And the positioning also matters for when nonprofits are doing their causes. And here's the thing. I want to also add to the nuance of what we've been talking about, the data from our email report. Okay. So Neon One released an email report, and it's the largest analysis of a nonprofit campaign email ever performed for the sector. We looked at over 157 million people that got touched by 37,472 okay. campaigns.
1: And so so can you give us in a nutshell whether or not email is is as bad as we think it is? Email's great. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Because we all get so much of it. We it's all actually. delete. Yeah. We all kind of it goes to spam. But we also know it works. We So we, the nonprofit sector formed
2: profit sector takeaway. Number one, this is why it's a sh- It's a shining right. brightness here that there is much hope because in the nuances that FEP doesn't touch right. the actual activity of marketing and revenue and impact, there's so much joy there. And so three big takeaways. One, we need our own metrics. Jay, when is the best time to send a newsletter? What day of the week? For engagement, open rates, click-throughs, no, click no throughs, let's do click Throw idea. something out there. What's the typical thing that you might hear? Uh,
1: Monday morning.
2: Monday morning, right? A lot of for-profit data actually says Tuesdays and Thursday. Okay. okay. Non-profit data that we found. Is- days, but the best day for sending a nonprofit newsletter or large-scale email, Fridays. And, and why? Why do you think that's so? Well, that's where we have to, I
3: think, go and talk to people. Well, right? yeah. and, and that's actually like, this is the very beginning of that. Right? Like, and so I'm an agency person. For me, it means different things. So it's like, okay, they're not consumers. Uh, this means something different into the flow of their week when they want to receive something other than my desires and buying and, or my workflow has a break here. It's Friday middle. Well, we had so much fun when we were in Tulsa because it was Friday afternoon. Yeah, they they were they were a hoot. Yeah. Right. Um, and it was like, well, so like maybe there's an abundance mindset. It's Friday afternoon. Yeah, I want
2: to it yeah, we might be tapping into something psychologically that makes people just feel better, right? Like that's I think one way to look at it. And that's the second thing is that small nonprofits in particular outperform large nonprofits in the data. Well, this is a really important
1: piece. Yeah, yeah, this is why I want to bring this up.
2: Because, and what we define as small was lists of 250 to 999 email contacts. Anything below 250 is just weird. It's just like, like basic event reminder stuff. Right weirdos sending a board reminder to seven people. If you have a small
1: email, file, we're not saying you're weirdos. We're just
2: just yeah. don't use like constant contact to send a like list to seven people, <laughs> like just whip out your, your outlook or Gmail. Right. So when they sent the newsletters to so that, cause MailChimp, which a lot of people use as their, their metrics, sure. um, they only do a lists a thousand and above. And so I was like, well, an MNR doesn't touch this at all. Um, they, they, they're very, very big, big numbers. So I said, well, let's do something for the small guys, right? Like the small folks out there. So I, uh, I was really thrilled to see that the small nonprofit data set for click-through rate had an astounding 10.24% click-through rate, like well above the large and the average. And so that was great. Also number of uh, dollars raised per email contact on file. Small nonprofits were six dollars and twelve cents, compared to large nonprofits, lists thousand and above, eighty-eight cents. The blended average was a
1: dollar a dollar and eleven cents. And, and by the way, I know this is a lot of data coming at yeah. you, which is all awesome, and it's uh, beautifully visualized
2: on the Neon One website without having to
1: like. I was really kind uh, of go going to ask, yes, and and you do want to get the rest of this data? So that's if, it's that, big. if you are at if you were lo- listening here. We're watching, and you're in the AFP conference itself. I have physical copies, okay. And but if you're not, if you're one of the many other people in this field who are somewhere else, then go to the Neon One Neon site. One and, website. People-
2: well, what one thing we'll do, Jay, I'll yeah. set aside one copy and we'll mail it to someone who engages with your content for this recording.
1: Wow, okay, well, and I don't know.
2: Afterwards, it can be even in the live. Just comment on LinkedIn or wherever
1: you post it. Jay, you tell me one person. I'll do it. And if you want to go ahead in the chat and let us know you're interested, that'd be very helpful. Let's do Um, it. Our producer is watching that. You probably see my eyes darting around because I want to make sure if we disappear or the internet is poor, I I want to know about it. Yeah, we are I, in the middle of a conference. We're so. in the middle of a conference. We're kind of yelling to be heard by one another. But um, that doesn't mean we're not interested in what you have to say. So I'm going to quickly eyeball the chat, see if there's anything there. And if there is not, uh, then we'll just continue this conversation. And so, it looks like, oh, my gosh, I don't know what it's saying there. Uh, please refrain from something. Well, I'm going to refrain from everything right now, including reading that. and Go right back to the... Uh... I hope we're the okay. conversation, I think we are okay. That's our producer. Oh, as a producer, me, okay. yeah. What? Why oh, listen to the producer? He's <laughs> merely telling me how I. What feel.
3: essential thing could that be? Well, do, uh, do
2: we want to get into the logistics of the road show? I, that's what I want to hear about you, now. to
3: hear, and and hear about the hats? hear about casita for sure? All right. Well, and, okay, but yeah. first things first. Why the hats?
2: Well, I I think we have to start with the the, the beginning. All right. Start at the beginning. So. Ben, you actually—it kind of kickstarts with you, so let's let's walk it through from your perspective. Yeah,
3: although uh, great minds think alike, I think you, you said you were you're pondering it. I uh, well, so LinkedIn—I'm a huge fan of LinkedIn. Um, and I was thinking, um, how can I make conferences uh, like an even more enriching experience? Sure. So, and and one was like, this is where we meet now. Like, if we're all at home all the time, um, I can say I'm going to this conference. You should probably come too. Hey, Tim. Like, sure. Can I meet you there? It's almost like you know, filling your dance card. And then I was like, well, I picked NTC in Denver, and then immediately after AFP Icon um, in New Orleans. Right. And I'm from Canada, um, and I was like is this a drivable distance? I turned it into a LinkedIn post to be like, is it, is it worth the fun? In my mind, I will see, it'll, it'll feel like Flintstones. I'll see nothing for miles and miles and miles. It turns out actually it was incredibly forested and rich. The
2: topography was so diverse in the United States. Everybody gives Oklahoma, especially a really crappy rap. Total and they should not
1: be nice to Oklahoma.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Oklahoma, yes. besides the overwhelmingly large amount of marijuana billboards that were across the state and oh, retail outlets, And oh retail God. outlets. you it's couldn't, go, you couldn't go a detail. mile. You couldn't go. And we were in Denver. Folks. Wow. I and don't it, know. I don't uh, know what Oklahoma's my got to be. be saying right now. I it, have no idea. That's okay. all they would see if they went for a drive. So, um, so you put it out there in the internet.
3: It's like, is this where the drive and it's like, would anyone want to like, road trip this? And Tim and I had briefly met at a, um, uh, the Next after is Neo yep. Summit. Like you know, and just had, had a tabletop with the group. Yep. Um, and then I had a podcast, and, and so we we went and talked, and uh, so he said, yeah, I would join you for it. Um, and then we proceeded to DM, going like, are you for real? Like, are we both serious? Are we doing this? Like, like you can say it now if this is a joke, because I
2: independently had wanted to do some sort of like small thing. I don't necessarily yep, yep. like at Neon. A lot of people, because I've been in the sector for 12 years doing this type of stuff, and I just personally have soured on the booth concept as it's historically been put forward. Now, you are doing (laughs) things that I think are right, Jay. Let's be real. Like, this is engaging. This is immersive. Going up and having a bunch of crap that I'm supposed to like hand to people so they can maybe remember who I am, but they're actually just getting it for their kids. That's not really something I'm interested in as a business. And so I said, well, but it's so powerful to be with people. So especially now, especially now, yes, connection. It's about connection and it has to be hybrid. Like what you're doing again is a great example of what the future should be looking like for engagement, even your nonprofit, right? What do galas look like? It should be engaging. It should be interactive. And so I wanted to do this. I just couldn't, like, it's hard to get that internal buy-in for this type of thing at a company where we have to, like, meet different strategies and numbers and different stuff This is something that that
1: everybody can relate to because every nonprofit, they have exactly the same problem. So how do you justify
2: experimental channels? Right. Because it's very easy to say we're back and just dump a bunch of money. And then people go, okay, we got the booth. I guess we did what we were supposed to do. Mm, And then you say, well, how many leads did we get from the booth? Right. That type of stuff. Yeah. For nonprofits, the same thing. We throw a big event, get them in the door. How much money are we going to get? What happens if you can scale that down in an experimental way and then scale it up? So yes, the roadshow will come back because it was a successful channel. So that's when I was like, I got buy-in and then was able to make it easy to talk to Ben about like money stuff and things like that too, because it just like was cover. There's
3: there's also another element of what what you did on social media. Um, And I would encourage nonprofits to learn about co-creation. So you co-created the trip in that uh, you said it's happening and (laughs) where should we stop? So it allowed organizations or people to say, I know someone at this location can I connect you with them? Would you want to stop there? So Tulsa
1: wasn't. We, which we again, are, I think it's a great example uh, to all of us in the sector that you don't just have to be shooting stuff out at people. You can be yeah. interacting with people it, to design, it, you know, it's a choose your own
2: story. It, yeah. You can like, gen, uh, we believe in generosity, experience, design at the One. This yeah. is the idea of connecting marketing revenue and impact. Which data. is
1: a GED. So that's great for your education. There you go. There you go. go.
2: The X as the, for, for experience. But, but the thing about this is that you kind of think about what your audience wants and then adapting the experience that you want them to have, the learnings
1: that you want them to have around. And then. Because.
2: T- like, because somebody said in Dallas, I'll host you. And so we said, yeah, oh, that's great. I actually and then we were going back and forth because we're we're um, sponsors and friends with the folks that we are for good. So we were seeing if they were going to be in Oklahoma City. So they, it just didn't work out with them because they're here and they had to focus on that. So we got connected through the local Tulsa uh, Lorry at the PCA. We had a partner, was like it was like very, de- 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 it was like three steps removed, but everybody was
1: so lovely the entire time. We must be setting it up so that people say, let's do it again. It sounds almost like an old movie. Uh, and then bringing in some other people, some other stops along the way. Yeah,
2: I think like it, it. the data definitely has shown that this type of model works, that this is like the, like if you check that hashtag generosity roadshow, like right. people are engaging with it. And yet the co-creation was important throughout. I would post like, what songs should we play? What snacks should we have? Like, like invite people in. And Julia Campbell really pushed me to do that type of thing. I I was trying to even get like a podcast list set up and we've even we even recorded a whole hour and a half just philosophically while talking about this while we were driving wow and i'm going to turn that into that could be podcast.
1: amazing or it could be matthew
2: mcconaughey i don't know I, <laughs> well, well, we'll that's, to... that's why we didn't just put it out on the internet we'll edit it yeah, yeah, yeah. but but yeah even like the, the, the airbnbs that we chose yeah. i started texting with the owners and saying we're on this trip to support nonprofits. Yeah. is there a charity that you want me to donate to And they were texting back or using the Airbnb app to just kind of like engage and and talk about
3: it. And you can imagine that that's a new question for someone, right? Like even the Robert at, uh, you know, picking up the car is like, hey, would you like to donate to my charity is usually what we hear, right? right? That's the charity, the institution coming to the individual. And I felt like observing Tim, it was fun to hear the individual talk to an individual of like, what would you want to be charitable about? Like what what makes you feel generous? And and we got texts for hours when we were just fired. no, fire. 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 Uh, yeah, this, I this is <laughs> I <think it's, laughs>
2: you're in America. House it's not. Yeah, not yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know your culture. Uh, and that was another fun thing uh, learning about that. Um in terms of like just the Canadian back and forth, because we're also partnering with the folks at Fundraising everywhere in a conference. Oh,
1: yeah. We could we could talk about that all day because this is a global thing.
2: It, there's so many yes. people here globally. But yeah, that was we just met so many different people and experienced so many different things. We got to stay. I like snuck into a hen house at 430 in the morning and like took eggs and made that
1: for breakfast. Made for an Incredible us. breakfast. Right. Okay. So it, we only have a couple of minutes. I know that's lunch, why I want to get that here
2: about the bathtub. Oh, the bathtub. So we we the the all the events were explicitly sober sober events, like marketed as sober events. I've I don't had, know if I should applaud you or not for that, but okay. Well, I'll, I think uh, I think you should, okay. and this is why. So I after last year's API con, I had a deep reflection on my own relations with alcohol. Oh, okay and put out a post even in October of last year, but I I went sober in May of last year. And so, Thank you. And it was so, it was interesting. One of the first stops that we had, I was talking with somebody, and I don't want to name them just because, like, it was a private conversation, but the insight was they had an offering for sobriety at NTC, but oh, it was wow. 7.30 in the morning, and it was like, NTC sober, like, Talk, get support from others on your recovery journey. And I'm like, that sounds like a bummer. And it's like 7 and 30 in the morning. But this other, the other person yeah. they said what I really needed, because they were taught they were, they were struggling too. this what I really need is at like four o'clock, five o'clock when I want to drink. Right. So what I'm what we're gonna do is today we're doing a live stream at 4:30. So I know this works. Thank you. So we're doing a live stream at 4.30 uh, Central Time, 5.30 Eastern at the Fundraising Everywhere booth. I'm going to bring over athletic beers, these amazing non-alcoholic beers that that I just love them. I like tried to get them involved and like emailed their support (laughs) line and they were like, like, what is this man talking about? But like, I love them. I couldn't have done my sobriety journey coming up to a year without them because it's just good and I'm a big craft beer guy. But we're going to bring the beers over to the booth and just people can have it as an option. But But I needed to clean out the cooler. And there was all this chocolate that had melted into the bottom of this ice thing that's been in our Santa Fe SUV for days. And I'm not eating that chocolate. So I dumped it out this morning right before I came over to see you. And I'm wearing the suit. And like, I took the jacket off, but I got the white thing and I'm sitting there going, I can't get chocolate on this. This is terrible situation right now. It's watery chocolate everywhere. And I dumped it into the bathtub and I just like had to sit there and, and like work the drain (laughs) to get all the chocolate up because I didn't want the cleaning staff to think that I had an accident on myself and like, oh,
1: that's the guy that pooped himself. Like, so I had to clean all the chocolate out of the thing. I don't think we're going to need the hotel here, but if you are working in that hotel, I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> I put notes. I put notes. <laughs> you, did? you did? Yeah. Did you leave a, like a chocolate talk. bar behind? Yeah, you it's it's not, a no, no. It's. it's. You
3: know, those kick ads can. Oh, the kick those are pretty good. So, so I mean, <laughs> uh, you
2: never know what's going to happen. And the final thing, we did. I think it's important to build in when you're putting yourself through high energy things like this. Like think of your gala. You don't have to drive to multiple, multiple states to have intensity of an experience. During the, the drive, I built in kind of an energy boost break time-wise yeah. in Whitsboro, Texas. It was this amazing casita on a cattle ranch. Oh, wow. That was like Baller's house. I had a TikTok where you know some cool music's playing, and it's just Wait, like handbuilt stone, Handbelt stone for everything. I did that out of pocket, right? Like at Neon, every dollar is coming out of the plate, and so I said, and that and not everybody has that privilege, right? Like I want to make that very clear: that budget for p- what people can do. But I did this as a gift to me and my and to Ben. And this thing was this place was kick ass. Like it had a fire pit. We were making nolan ryan stakes <laughs> on the open fire pit it was great but, i want to go on the next journey the, we needed that that <laughs> energy boost to kind of go okay we've been in this grind let's rest let's take a moment to ourselves do that too folks build that into your process
1: especially if you're something like this <laughs> I, I you know <laughs> what Nolan Ryan. Hey, let's do it. I will get a bus. Right? I would love that, but I want to add as well. But no, thank you so much for, for sharing some of this. Thank you. I Thanks know it's only a tiny thimbleful. So if people want to hear more about this, they'll be able to hear it later today. They'll yep. be able to hear about it in your podcast. Yep. Um, but you also mentioned LinkedIn, which I want to check as well. So if people want to just talk to you personally, not corporately. Um, where's the best way to reach you? Is it through um, LinkedIn, LinkedIn? absolutely LinkedIn, yeah. Okay, so if you're not connected to these guys, I hope you will.
2: I got a weekly newsletter I put out. I'll be doing a recap
1: on Wednesday. Yes, which I'm sure will cover the FTP. Uh, right. And we'll link to this recording. Excellent, okay. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for this. Really, thank really you. appreciate you guys. And hopefully we're going to hear about the next journey where I can be on that Winnebago next time with you. Yeah,
2: you know, we won't use it to cook anything other than maybe the steaks.
1: Yeah, brilliant. So. Really, no more chocolate <laughs> in the coolers. Okay. Thanks Thank so you. Much. Thanks, everyone. Have a good thanks rest everybody. of the day. Stay tuned. We've got another great interview coming up. Um, see you then.
0: The Philanthropy Masterminds podcast is underwritten by donor search the world leader in donor intelligence solutions. Our producer is Jack Frost. Our theme music is Be My Remedy, composed and performed by House of Say. You can subscribe to the Philanthropy Masterminds podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can find blogs, webcasts, and CFRE accredited webinars with our featured masterminds at DonorSearch.net or check the show notes and descriptions.